Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to season two, episode three of There Are No Good Games. This is a podcast where myself, Lost Hope, and Redman try and convince Bloodtake that there are good games in the universe, in the cosmos, in existence, while Bloodtake tries to convince myself and Redman that there's nothing but death, decay, and bad games out there. Um, please note this podcast is to be taken as a joke and not too seriously, otherwise you will resent us all as a group and majoritarily blood take how are you doing this week <laughs> yeah very well thank you loving loving the intro yes this is all to be taken as a little bit of fun because uh i don't hate mario as much as i let on that i do i promise or zelda yeah. i feel resented i feel resented already actually <laughs> I, so. I mean i i, I laugh because yeah. i've had two or three messages from people going i can't believe you gave Skyrim, skyrim or x or this game such a bad score how dare you so Take I mean, just seem to stop playing bad games. I mean, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Ollie just lives in a cave somewhere, like hiding from all the all the blowback from all the stuff he comes out with. So, yeah, that's why when Tristan always asks me, "Where can I find me?" I don't say, <laughs> "Don't find me." <laughs> don't there's, find me. <laughs> there's no Wi-Fi here. He's completely safe. Um, He's in a bulletproof so, bunker. Exactly right. He, he he lives there with an EMP device around him at all times. That way he's safe. Um, just call out on this week's schedule, we have Mario Kart, the series, Assassin's Creed 2, and Portal 2. A lot of twos in the second series, but unfortunately not the second episode. How are you feeling about the lineup? Yeah, fairly good. I've played two out of three. Two out of three ain't bad. Uh, in comparison to last season, where I averaged maybe one out of four games each episode. So, you know, okay, coming in strong, coming in strong this season. But no, yeah, got some opinions. So, yeah, looking forward to talking about them. Yeah, it's nice. not bad. It's a good lineup, a good wide variety of games. So I'm sure there's meant much to talk about. Not much repetition. Yeah. Cool. Without further any ado, let's talk about, well, let's watch the trailer of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Right. So that was uh, Mario Kart 8. That was the E3 trailer. Um, I'll kick us off with some thoughts. So before before we start this, um, I want to preface there is a green mario and a red um link in there as well so i hope that doesn't affect the scoring too much a reminder is basically all of nintendo in like a nutshell but trailer was yeah. good i mean obviously that was for mario kart 8 um and obviously we're looking at this holistically but obviously mario kart 8 the newest iteration of the of the series obviously offered quite a lot um in terms of uh, what we do, obviously, Nintendo Switch. I think it was a launch title for the Nintendo Switch. But obviously, um, I believe it was just Mario Kart Seven plus the extra stuff, wasn't it? Basically, um, that's basically what it was when it came to Switch. Because before it was yeah. just on the Nintendo, we, uh, we it was either it? yeah, it was either Mario Kart Seven plus extra stuff or it was Mario Kart Eight plus extra stuff. It was basically like the Game of the Year edition for Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, obviously it's all the good tracks, obviously really nice graphics, good characters, good customization of the cars, that was nice. Um, the kind of anti-gravity thing. I don't know if I'm a fan of the anti-gravity, actually. Um, but obviously the trailer showed off all of that um, and more. So I thought it was a good trailer, a bit longer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in terms of the trailer, I agree. It was a good trailer. It, it, you know, it showed... I mean, it's Mario Kart. We all know what it is, so it didn't have to sell us on the premise. They just sort of showed off the new gimmicks, the new gameplay mechanics that they've added um, to the game, the new look characters and you know, 
uh, all that goodness. So that yeah, they. I mean, it's yeah, it's a good trailer. Do you, yeah. Do you think if you'd never played Mario before and you saw the trailer, you'd want to play the game? I yeah. mean, that kind of brought me back into the franchise. I saw the trailer after playing it on like the Wii ages ago, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, I want to pick this up again because it looks fun. Yeah. I mean, I played the original Mario Kart 64, and then DS, Wii, and then Mario Kart 8. So I've been through quite a few, um, but they all they all have served a good amount of uh, entertainment over the years. I think when it was on the DS, that was really good because on a school trip, playing it across France on a battlefields trip was one of the best uh, experiences. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think for me, I I really enjoyed playing it on like the GameCube because the GameCube had like minor portability of being like a mobile game device with a little screen that you could kind of clag into cars. That was fun. But yeah, no, love a bit of Mario Kart. Can't go wrong with it, honestly. Um, right, let's talk about gameplay here. For me, um, they haven't done that much different since probably Mario Kart five or six in terms of the only things they brought in is the gliding and the anti-gravity that Bloodtake brought up. They did do double dash, which I did like at some point because that was the fun thing to do as like a team of two. One person would drive, one person would like shoot and grab items. Um, the tracks are basically the same they've always been, unfortunately. But I do like the fact you can do a lot more customization now with your characters. Like you can be Link driving a, I don't know, a squid uh, Splatoon 2 mobile with Mercedes wheels with a, a weird parachute flag thing. I thought that was really cool. But yeah, I really enjoyed what they've done with it. I really enjoyed the customization. Although you do find yourself going for like one set of car and that's it for the rest of the game. Yeah, I don't want to talk too much just on the the fact that, about the newer ones. Um, purely because, I mean, I think they do the classic Nintendo thing where like they've got the gameplay settled and they're like, let's just add gimmicks. Let's they're try to change the formula without really doing too much. That's yeah. why most of the maps are the remastered old maps or a reimagining of the current map. You know, that like Rainbow Road, for example, has been mm. in every single one. It's why most of the characters, well, obviously they're established Nintendo characters, but they don't, you know, there's no real big changes in a lot of the gameplay because of that. But then it's, you've also got to look at it this way. It's a kart racing game. There's not a huge amount you could change without completely changing the type of game it is. Um, obviously, Mario they Kart do... Live Home Circuit. <laughs> they do... Oh, very, very <laughs> fair point. Very fair point. Um, other than adding game modes and things like that, and, but then they have people like me on a podcast that would call it a gimmick. So you know they can't really win sometimes. But I mean, this is like what, like when the Mario Kart games were coming out, it was the kart racing game. Like no other kart race that's come out since then has like touched like these the levels of how well loved and well received this game is whether you like mario or not like it is just a fun kart racing game you don't have to be a big mario fan to really enjoy the game um you know and there are other kart racers out there that try to copy copy this and i think you know if you've made a game that people are willing to try and copy and replicate that shows you've got, you're onto a good game yeah, yeah exactly um yeah, i was gonna say the only thing that kind of sticks to the head is like a good kart game is the crash bandicoot one they used to do Mm, I think that's the one that maybe like rival it. Crash Bandicoot Racing, yep. yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, I won't deny that was a, that was a good one. That was a very good one. Yeah, but I completely agree with your point, by the way, uh, Joe, on the gimmicky game modes. Like, 
realistically no one really plays the game modes unless you're actually playing the racing and even then that's kind of it i mean this is so much to do in the racing i mean there's so many levels in the modern ones um especially when it has all the extra dlc and stuff like that that, that comes with it i think it's it makes it a much more complete game and i, I think actually obviously we can mention on the podcast that uh uh, United Tristan had a massive Grand Prix of this game over uh, uh, the virus that cannot be named. Um, yeah. And um, we basically played every level at once. And I think it took two hours to get through the entire like uh, track list. Yeah, it, was it was a lot like... of fun. Definitely, I think. But, like, yeah. And I think that's good. Like, obviously, we kind of, I don't think I would have touched it again that day because of like doing it all again but um you know this all the levels are different finding new like uh shortcuts that kind of stuff is always quite fun um and obviously that was a lot harder back in the day you didn't have like the internet constantly there so knowing the shortcuts um and like learning from friends was always was always a helpful thing because then you can use them when you played against other friends and other houses yeah exactly exactly I think this um, is one of those games that's sort of grown with its audience as well. Like, as, you know, people that have played it when they were younger still find reasons to come back and keep playing it. Like, you can either, you, you know, you're playing it with your families or you can play it with your friends or you can play it on a night out or whatever. Like, there are lots of different ways to play and enjoy this game regardless on of how old you are. On a night out. Are right. you just standing I... in the middle of a club with, like, your <laughs> Nintendo Switch being like, I'm going to get so many people in this club? Like, yeah, that's, you, you know, it's like when you play games on like your fridge and things like that. You play, you can play them on the <laughs> DJ booth now as well. True. No, True. Um, I meant more on after a night out, after you've had a few, so to speak. This game you can plug in and play. You know, it's it's um, you know, it's made it's got that appeal that you know, either people that have been long running fans of it or next generation like will want to play. Are you saying that you used to um, partake in drinking and then carting? I I have I have <laughs> I have drunk Marioed. Yes, I'm sorry, guys. That is something I have done. I still think the picture of like Joe in a club being like, "Tell you what, tell you what, let's have a race. I beat you. Back to mine." Like oh, yeah. you know, like I think that's. Is that what not what you do at the club? You whip out your switch that I don't actually own. And whoa, whoa, whoa! No one's whipping out anything. Okay. <laughs> you you take out your two Joy Cons. Yeah. Like, I feel one. <laughs> you grab one and you just go for it. Yeah, not man. Good. That's not just what you do. That's, is that not what clubbing is? I thought that's what it was. Yeah. It's modern clubbing. Not, not, not. You know, I'm a bit of an OG in that kind of side of things. So, uh, yeah. Oh, you used to whip out the Nintendo 64 then, and then exactly. Like, it's a bit of a bouncers can look at me and like, what are you hiding underneath your hoodie? But you know, it all it all gets through. <laughs> so it's all fun. <laughs> yeah. Um. So let's talk about final thoughts of Mario Kart. Um, and ratings as well. Uh, who wants to kick us off? Right, blue shell. What the hell's going on there? Like, what? Like, it's painful to like. I don't know what's wrong, but generally, the game should not let you be blue shelled literally centimeters away from the finish line. It is the worst feeling I, I think anyone ever had in their life. It's like I mentioned watching a video of someone getting blue shelled. Like, you feel that. Like, you know the pain. It comes through <laughs> your entire body. Oh, sorry. I was, was going to say, like, the timing was a little bit weird for that um, because we're watching, like, a, a gameplay and we literally saw it happen in the background. Um, no, but I kind of like the blue show. It kind of stops someone from being, like, hugely first to, like, mildly in first to maybe possibly second. 
it, it does kind of help but i agree i agree with what you mean yeah i think the power-ups are balanced pretty well like you know you're gonna get you're gonna get those things that knock you out first place but then you're also gonna get those things that when you're in first like you know the bananas that seem kind of useless but you kind of need them to keep people from getting in front of you etc so um yeah. yeah i think that's all pretty pretty well balanced can we talk about the real travesty which is blue shell in second place that's that's the true travesty of this game where you where you where the person in first has completed the race and the blue shell comes to you next because you're then next first place you're now second well, place i mean yeah. second is just first last isn't it really so i mean maybe you deserve to get blue shelled for not being first <laughs> Yeah, it's trickle down ways. economics, my friend. Trickle down economics. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so racing for this game, everyone. Um, I haven't played much of the newer ones. I've played the old ones. Bit more of a legacy vote for me. Um, you know, it is the karting game. Basically, it is the karting game that they all try to aspire to be. Great fun. Um, you could probably pick up any one and enjoy it. So uh, I'm going to give it an eight, an eight out of ten. Okay. Um, really like the game. Really simple, stupid fun. Probably gonna give it like a seven, seven, seven. I think is fair because it, it's silly, stupid fun. You won't play it for like that long. You kind of play mm-hmm. it for like a, bu- a couple hours and then that's you done for it. Blood take. Yeah. Obviously, throughout this entire kind of segment, I've spoken a lot about this game in terms of it, its good parts, fun. But ultimately, just like playing Mario Kart, it's gonna get blue shelled right at the finish line. Uh, and I'm going to give it a three. Oh. Okay. I thought that blue shell was going to knock it into last place, but now you give it a three. So this is now coming up in second joint place then with a score of overall of six. Oh, wow. How, how are we feeling about that? I think I think we're getting too soft in the, the second season. I'm not going to lie here, guys. Thoughts? I, you know, i got to... You know the haters are on to me. I gotta, you know, give them some points here and there. The currencies, you know, season one currency was not flying very much. I'm minted now with points. You know, like I can give them here and there if I need to. So I can, I kind of got a bit more maneuverability. But I think ultimately this game is a is a classic, and also as we've already said, it's unmatched in terms of its level for the racing game. It is uh, for that arcade racing game. So I think that's why it deserves the, the three points from me. Yeah, and exactly, and yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, I was just thinking, like the way we're saying, he's he's giving it a really high, like, he's giving it a three. Let's face it, it's not like he's suddenly giving it a seven or something, like, and we're going, wow, such a high score. Um, but no, I, I, yeah, it's the first positive thing on this podcast. I think I've said about Mario games, so I think that's uh, that says something. Um, yeah, man. and to top it all off, if you look at the screen, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong dabs apparently when he does his jump. Okay, right. I'm gonna give this game now a four out of ten. <laughs> that, that game now deserves a four. Um, oh, okay, I just so saw it. my first <laughs> ten. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mario, okay, so that's Mario Kart with a lovely score of six. Um, we're now moving over to Assassin's Creed Two. Let's give the trailer a watch. So that was Assassin's Creed Two. Uh, thoughts on the trailer? <laughs> the trailer was such a. <laughs> was such a mark of the time it came out when the music and everything else going on it was so so like that 2000s era of of video games and uh culture it was it was good i took me back i thought it was quite a good trailer i don't know i didn't really like it i thought it didn't really 
offer much. Again, it's like it tried to show gameplay, but it wasn't actually showing gameplay. Hmm. Um, I guess it it highlighted the battle system. I guess if you're comparing it to like Assassin's Creed One, obviously the original Assassin's Creed, and then how this compares, I guess the trailer did show off like the improved engine, the graphics, and stuff like that for the time. Um, so I guess it does that, but it's it doesn't really tell anything about the story or anything like that, which I think is one of the key parts. Like Assassin's Creed Two basically kicked off the main story with how it works properly. So it's very weird that's not what route the trailer took. Yeah, no, I I, I think there's elements of both there. I kind of agree. It's product of his time, like uh, Redmond said. Um, you can just tell by the music and the cuts. It's just very like he can jump, he can hit, he can jump, he can hit. Um, and like you said, there isn't much of a story at all. It's just like gameplay trailer basically but yeah um let's talk about gameplay who wants to kick us off on that one uh i th- i think the game itself does what very few se- sequels do well where it once again i've said it a couple times now where it it does what the first one did and more and it works in a lot of instances it does fall down on a couple of them like you know they really tightened up the fighting system they've made it a lot better than last i mean in assassin's creed one if you got into a fight all you did was stand there and then hold right trigger and wait for it to come up counter and then do it and you'd win every fight because all the there were no new enemy types they were all the same dude um but this game added new enemy types added new weapons added new ways to fight um uh and that's just in terms of fighting it added more mission types the story itself was a lot more in depth and a lot better um yeah i think as i said it's just one of those games where they just went well what what else could we add what could we do better next time and then add add that in um there's a lot to do in the game it is one of those games that were a bit that's a bit daunting like where it has so much stuff in it that it can turn a lot of people off um but overall i think it was a good game it was, um i remember enjoying it yeah no it was um it was a definitely a solid game like i love the fact you could get new weapons uh you weren't just stuck at like a sword and all that sort of stuff you could actually pick up like a spear or you could pick up like a mace and a mallet and all that sort of stuff and you had more options for like throwing knives and stuff like that um i can't remember if this this one or brotherhood but you get to uh pick up the Ezio armor it might be this one. It's this you, one or Brotherhood. I think. Yeah, you you go through and you kind of do all this stuff and you Wait, get this like. This is um, Ezio. You mean Altair? Altair's armor. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Um, you do all the special missions and that sort of stuff and you get to do that. Um, I did for like thoroughly complete this and really enjoyed it as a whole. I do laugh at the classic Pope fighting scene where you get to go murder the Pope. But yeah, uh, apart from that, I thought it was like an amazing game. Um, yeah probably the strongest bit of the assassin's creed series to kick it off i agree it's probably one of the stronger this one and i really enjoyed brotherhood as well these uh and the first one i think after that they take a bit of a nosedive but um that's a very 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 good point don't make them like they used to (laughs) i already sound like an old man uh the new games they're all crap (laughs) they're all about combat systems you look at combat systems obviously we've spoken about arkham uh arkham knight before in terms of uh that but also obviously uh assassin creed again has that very classic um combat system and it's well known for um uh, i think if you spoke about two games that had like memorable combat systems it would be assassin's creed and um obviously dark knight so i think 
it does really well there, obviously being a combat-based game as well as a stealth-based game. I think also one of the things to mention is obviously the kind of the, what do you call them, like the haystack drops, basically, where you go up to the top. I think that's a very iconic part of the game and kind of like being able to sh discover the city or whatever, the location by doing those, I think is a really nice and clever way to do it. And it feels really good, especially kind of the cinematic kind of panoramic view it gives you. And obviously then falling into um, like a cart of hay is very uh, nice. It felt good. So that was really nice. Um, obviously, Assassin's Creed, the story in this is, yeah, very interesting. I mean, I was always a fan of the part of the game going from modern to the historic, modern to historic. I, I, I think it was a really nice. And you, even though completely different kind of like connections you were still able to keep track of what was going on. So outside, the bigger picture, why you're in the Optimus, um, and then obviously in it, the actual story of you as Ezio going to go kill people who killed your father, something like that. So I think I think that's really coherent, and that's really nice. Um, and I think, yeah, it's kind of all the digital technology stuff. And the opening, I think it's a very memorable opening where you're rescued. Um, from the confinement and then and taken forward. I really remember playing that. And um, I think also the thing to mention, there's the loading screen where you could just run. You just ran in an open white box as stuff was loading uh, and just randomly swinging, doing rolls and whatever. And I, I think that was a cool way um, to, to do that. So I think a lot of effort went into this game and it, it was a very uh, highly rated game of the time. Um, and... Yeah, I think I think it does it does a really good job of telling the story as well as having loads of action uh, and collectibles to do to keep you entertained. Just just want to touch on something that you just made uh, mentioned there, Ollie. Is that you're right when it comes to the, the the climbing up something high and using the eagle vision to reveal the thing? Because now nowadays I can't stand it when games do that because every game now has that tower or high thing to stand on top of to reveal the map, but in Assassin's Creed 2, it just felt natural. Obviously, by then, it wasn't a tired-out trope. But it was you were climbing a really high building, um, normally a, a historical building, um, and then getting to re that reveal of the city, when at the time, like you didn't see that open world used that way. So I th that's a very good point to mention that. that um, now, I can't stand, for instance, I've got... Uh, the most recent one I played is Odyssey. Haven't played the uh, the Viking one, um, but I no longer look forward to climbing all the high stuff because I've been doing it for ten years from all, all the previous Assassin's Creeds or Far Cries or whatever else has those really long towers to climb up and look around. Um, Trademark Ubisoft kind of feature yeah, of the game. Exactly, exactly. Well, back well then that well, I mean the reason why it caught on is because it works and people people enjoyed it. Although I just have currently on the screen the best quick time uh, event in the history of gaming where you are a baby <laughs> moving your arms and legs. So, you know, it swings around about, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like that bad of a game. And like you said, I did enjoy the whole like back and forth stuff like that, um, especially at the end of Assassin's Creed 2 when like the god creature starts speaking to like Desmond. Like, that was, like, a big throw. If you remember, because, like, you defeat the Pope. The Pope's, like, um, 
the Pope's like a super bad guy and all that sort of stuff. And then you have to like w get your way out of there. And it's like, Desmond, I know you're there watching this, so be aware that you need to do this. Um, yeah. And it kind of sets up the rest of the game. So I really enjoyed that sort of stuff. But yeah, they they definitely like set the stage or everything as well. Yeah, unfortunately, I never capitalized on any of it. But yes, this did set the stage of, you know, the whole race that started off humanity and injected all the fantasy elements into the history and stuff like that. Um, it also just did a lot of things in the world of the game where it made sense. Like, you couldn't just run around and kill civilians. Why? Well, it's because this character didn't actually do that. So it kind of stops you from doing that. Um, yeah. You know, oh, you failed the mission because in history, this is how it took place. It's kind of a new way of telling a story through the video game, a new way of setting parameters that you couldn't do, but with a good, re you know, instead of just, oh, there's an invisible wall here, you can't pass. It's because, oh, at this time period, Ezio wasn't over here. He was doing this over there. Like, it all made sense in the realm of the game. Um, let you suspend your disbelief uh, and just play and enjoy the game as opposed to like suddenly going oh look I can't walk it's not letting me shoot this person or oh look it's you know I'm running into an invisible wall it all made sense in the world of the game yeah no exactly and the way they kind of phrased that was like a really smart way of doing it and made it a bit realistic as well which is good right it's cool yep um happy to kick us off if you guys want um so i really liked it really solid game through and through a really good game um my only issue is it's no black flag because for me that was like a lot higher in this so i'm gonna I give it probably enjoy black flag. <sighs> <sighs> i'm sorry i'm sorry i just i just heard like some horrible noise down the side of the microphone there um so i'm probably gonna have to give this a six See. not the best not the worst i hated assassin's creed one because it was like you said love country this was good brotherhood was amazing black flag black flag i think hit the top of the franchise and then it just kind of went down from there apart from like the refresh of odyssey so a six okay it's controversial opinions there. i personally think assassin's creed one and two were the better ones followed by brotherhood then free black flag etc just starts taking a nosedive personally um but no i think this is a good game uh it did introduce some annoying collectibles like those damn feathers and all you get is a stupid cape and that cape makes you instantly uh it's like yeah you get this reward it's this cool cape and then when you wear the cape um your bounty goes up straight away so it's like well what's the point i'm pretty sure that's this one or it was brotherhood Either no way. i think that you're right this is when it's your brother who loses his box of feathers so you decide to go collect them all again Either way, right, even if it wasn't in this one, it the next one had those feathers in, and it's this game's fault. Um, but anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. I'm going to give this game a solid 8 out of 10. I thought it was a great game. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. So, <clears throat> Assassin's Creed 2. Uh, I think it is one of the best Assassin's Creed that has been. I think it'd be hard to say that nowadays you don't get the same excitement while playing i know people who do you know i know people playing odyssey at the moment and they really like the kind of new historical element of it and and maybe in some way people aren't as interested in the like the italian uh, history that you've got here for example but i don't 
think that's an issue because this was more about the action, the story around Ezio, um, and then you in the modern world um, as well. So I think from that, it would be really hard for me to give like a low score for this, like a really low score, as in zero. So I think because of that, and you know, like if I was rating other Assassin's Creed games, spoilers, they probably would be near one zero because they're just overused and don't do anything really new. But for this one, I'm going to give it a three. Oh, two threes, one podcast. That's a, it's given a total of a six. So I know. Uh, yeah, that is a lot, actually. You're capable of take. Do we need to, like... Who's, yeah, who spiked your drink? Who's it's a good selection. Uh, a, a much better selection of games than normal. Are you being held at, like, critic point and no one's told us about this yet? <laughs> Help me, um, Ubisoft, have my money, please. <laughs> <laughs> Blink three times if Ubisoft are offering you good deals. Um, I need my so Rainbow that... Six account not to be banned, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so that gives us a total score of 5.5 for Assassin's Creed 2. <laughs> What other 5.5s do we have, just so we can uh, gauge? Batman Arkham City. Uh, Red Dead Redemption. Uh, Bioshock. And that is it. Pretty illustrious well. company then, yeah. 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 But there you go. Some some good, good stuff, actually. Um, so, third and final game. Uh, Portal 2. Let's have a look at the trailer, and we'll come back to you guys on that. Right, so that was Portal 2. Um, so we're going to, I suggest we break up this review into the co op and the main story gameplay. Thoughts on that? What do you mean, main story gameplay? There's no story, it's just puzzles. Ooh. Excuse me, what do you mean? That's wrong. Ooh. The story is all to be like, it's one of those games where it's like, oh, if you look into the story, you can find out. Like, I don't want to look into the law books in the background, I just want to play a game. This game had Stephen Merchant in it, okay? I mean, he was the best character in, like, a long time that hadn't been around. Like, it was comedic, you know, it was charismatic. He kind of, like, he brought the game together. Uh, okay, I won't... The voice and the scripting, voice talent and the scripting was fantastic. I won't take that. You're, you're completely correct. I wouldn't call this a good story game, though. I mean, obviously, like, but but... You know, a story doesn't have to be like, oh, you know, go collect a hundred feathers. You know, it can be different. <laughs> it, it can, it can, you know, in this way, it's talking about obviously following Portal 1, destroying GLaDOS, and then uh, come back alive, and then you being basically being asleep for all this time, and then um, Aperture Science is all falling apart. That's the story, and then you're trying to escape still. I mean, like, obviously, it's not like that exciting, loads of stuff, but actually, the world building is really important. And I think with Wheatley as a character, he really helps that we uh, world building and adds that comedy value to what is effectively a falling apart institute. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Like, I I really enjoyed the gameplay of this. I really enjoyed the like tongue and cheek stuff and the jokingly expanded universe that they kind of pulled out of it as well. So that was really good as well. Like the whole fact that it kind of collects up to Black Mason and all that sort of stuff as well was really nifty. Um. Yeah, I kind of agree. Yeah, I mean, all the extra things they added as well in this is really cool. Um, you know, like the uh, gel, that kind of stuff, the repulsion gel. I think that was really cool and, and new stuff to add there. Um, and that really creates, yeah, more fun. I mean, at the end of the day, you got Portal, which is a popular game. And obviously the same concepts are all there. They just, you know, modernized it 
and added some new features and that's and a storyline though we've already disagreed on that but i i think ultimately yeah it doesn't add loads of stuff to it but the it's a puzzle game and if you have new puzzles new layout new kind of like setting that's what you've got here yeah i mean yeah if you're if you're a fan of the first game and you're a fan of puzzle games then yeah more portal was fantastic but i don't know like as i've said many times i am this podcast's number one hater of puzzle games i just for me a puzzle something game developers put in their games when they need you to stand in a room for an extra 30 minutes to figure out what to do just lengthens the game time that's how i feel that's how i feel when i get to a puzzle man i love god of war every time i got to a puzzle i was pulling my hair out because it was just lengthening the game when i could have been doing things that i wanted to do instead um so that's i so having me subject me to a game of that oh but i agree that's the uh the script working and the storytelling in the game is good um in terms of the the voice talent they got in the char- you know that the characters that basically just narrate what's going on and make little jokes and comments while you're playing through the game it does work really well and uh, that's to do with the talent and the script work the script writing 100% um so yeah i i agree i agree with you on that Right, do you want to talk about the uh, co-op mode, Tristan, since that's your favourite bit? Yes, um, co-op mode. Um, so let me just talk about the main game, and we're just going to flip across. So main game, really good, really well thought out. Puzzles are simple to work out. Really nice story as well, like you said, and then it all kind of comes together. That, that leads you up to the idea of co-op. Um, co-op, I thought, was a really smart idea. Um, it was kind of nice that you had two people to kind of A, suffer with, or B, kind of get better with as the game kind of progresses um really really solid puzzles sometimes a little bit frustrating and a bit annoying so you had to rely on your friend to understand what you're talking about but i think they kind of did a lot which a lot of games don't which is kind of remove the whole need for voice comms and stuff like that if you don't have them i thought that was like a really good idea so like being able to point and suggest put a portal here put a portal there was a really good idea and there was the fact you kind of joke and make make a good laugh out of it as well was also really well thought out um the ending of it was quite smart as well uh with the whole cloning process kicking off in the background again leading you to the idea that something else might happen in the future um but yeah for me really solid game all around really well thought out great comedy to it um yeah and really nice and easy to play and it's digestible it's like four to five hours to play start to end and then call another two hours for uh the co-op as well yeah, I think that adding the co-op in the second one was a brilliant idea. I mean, this, I look at this game, it screams co-op. Like, why not have a friend go through all of this stuff with you? So that's a very, very fair point. And it's, I'm glad that they didn't just bolt it onto the single player. Like, they've made it a whole unique experience to play through it with a friend. Like, you know, some, t- some games, you know, having just someone there playing along with you, something like a Halo or a shooter where you've just got a player two standing there. It works sometimes, but sometimes it really doesn't. And you just feel, as player two, you just feel like it doesn't like nothing I'm doing really matters. But having a specific storyline, a specific gameplay, specific puzzles for two player really adds uh, adds to the uh, enjoyment. I guess. Yeah, I agreed. And the fact that they did different missions for it as well was a really good idea as well. <laughs> so the competitive mode is the worst bit of the game. So the reason for that is because uh, there's no story. Like, it doesn't have... Although you got the 
2 Peabody and whatever. Like, it's just not as fun. Uh, you don't feel like you're working towards anything. I feel like, you know, it depends who you get partnered up with. Like, if you're playing co-op with some guy who can't solve puzzles, okay, you're going to really struggle with this because it generally requires two people. And so I feel like it can sometimes be quite frustrating if that's the case, for example. Obviously, no names here needed. Uh, but <laughs> obviously, I think that's obviously one of the, the key things that I'm trying to say. I don't think it ruins the game in any way, and it is a lot of fun, but I think... I think you guys flipped it in the wrong direction, and I disagree. I think the story mode's the best, and I think the the co-op mode just didn't have enough charm, which the single-player mode had. So I, just I, to I clarify, you weren't talking about competitive, you were talking about cooperative? Yes. Okay, that's fine, because I got really confused, because you said competitive at one point i was like is there a competitive oh, I like completely missed out multiplayer in this game yeah i was just like <laughs> i completely well, as, a, on this as a competitive portal 2 you know playing co-op with some losers is not very helpful for me <laughs> yeah some some loser who struggles to work out how to get a disc from a dvd player um yeah, yeah no i get what you mean um yeah i, th I think all in all it's a really solid game they were smart about it. they they do what love games don't which is stick with the fundamentals and what they do and then improve upon it and for me, they did exactly that, which is, I think, very difficult nowadays. So, yeah, for me, um, really, really good game. Overall, really strong. Yeah, on both sides. Also, credit music. Can't find a game that has better credit music than Portal and Portal 2. Hmm. Uh, I play, uh, what's it called? Rogue Warrior. Listen to that credit music, and then uh, I'll speak to you. I'll speak <laughs> to you later. It, it's a meme. Okay. <laughs> Cake's a lie, so there we go. Uh, right, final scores for this beautiful art piece um, of the game. So I'll go first, just <coughs> to anger everyone. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't played this game. Um, and it's not really what I look for in a video game. Um, I... I admit, Ali raised some good points regarding, you know, when I was moaning about the story, but it does tell a story, and you know, it does what it does well in the game in terms of, you know, the voice talent and the script work, etc. It has, it does have a charm. This game um, and humor and something about it, um, but I would struggle to give this game any more than a six point five because it's just. It's, the gameplay is not for me, so I can't give it a good score if it's just not something I'm willing to pick up and play. Okay, no, I think it's fair enough. Um, for me, re like I said before, really, really strong game. Just rewatching the boss fight now, the whole idea that you could use the grab the portal gun on the moon was such a smart idea. I never really thought about that. Uh, and then the ending as well was absolutely amazing with all the little portal turrets clamping and dancing along with the giant king one in the background. Um, so for me, I'm going to have to give it a 9. I really, really yeah. like this game. I really enjoyed it. I Like, honestly, I, I played the first one, heard the second one's coming out, and immediately jumped on it. It was such a good idea. But yeah. Blood take. So. Game, puzzles, fun. Those are all part of the single-player games, not the co-op mode. So it's a good game ruined by the co-op that doesn't fit together with like the main part of the story. It doesn't have the same charm. I felt like it's kind of tagged on 
Uh, and it appeals to certain people, but I, I liked the, the puzzle solving uh, of the single player and the story. So I'm going to give it a... Let's let's do it. The Holy Trinity. I'm going to give it a three. Oh, oh. my God. Season two, episode three. <clears throat> three, 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 three. For my... I've counted okay. up to numbers that Valve cannot. <laughs> <laughs> so... We are at a interesting point. We've given this a 6.1. So a 6. Yeah, so a lovely 6. So we're saying where... it's... Oh, go for it. I was going to say, where's it sitting? Where, 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 where's it ranking? So it's alongside Mario Kart. Uh, it's a little bit below Little Big Planet. It's along with Little Nightmares 2, which also had puzzles. Uh, Skyrim, uh, and I think that's about it. Oh, and Half Life too. So yes, there we go. Bunch of Valve fans here, I see. <laughs> Just a bunch of dirty puzzle Valve fans. That's all we have on this podcast. Wait <laughs> till we rate Artifact, my favourite Valve game. Anyway, you know what time it is on the podcast? It's time to look at new games because we're done talking about old games now. We're gonna look at the future now. I use the term new very loosely. As we've known from season two so far, <laughs> there's no such thing as a new game. However, I've uh, broken um, all things yeah. and um, I have found some new games. So, the first one on the list is Paradise Lost, which is a trailer that I believe us three have seen before. You will have to type in Paradise Lost game yeah, in order to get it. We, we looked at this uh, a couple of weeks ago, just our, us three, and um, we watched this demo being played, but there wasn't much... I don't know oh what was going on. Story, yeah, but you mean the walking simulator? Yeah, 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 the yeah. walking simulator. I'm not entirely sure what the game actually is. Um, we just know it's about exploring um, Slavic mythology uh, and that, that's it. So we got walking simulator. Now, that, sorry we're getting ahead of ourselves that comes out on march 24th on playstation 4 xbox one and pc okay i would not okay. be picking that up just to call out okay right the worst uh, thing is the announcement good looks okay start. but good the trailer start. just start. looks dull yeah exactly right next uh next one we got the game black legend which is coming out on playstation 5 xbox series x and s playstation 4 xbox one switch and pc um, so this is a strategy game, uh, turn-based strategy RPG, set in the 17th century, uh, in a doomed city, uh, a bloodthirsty cult. Sounds interesting. Um, I mean, it's not my type of game. Uh, it's look, got that XCOM vibe, basically. It looks mm. like, um, XCOM 17th century thing. It looks a little bit like that Empire of Sin, the Mafia version of XCOM. I was going to say, it reminds me of a lot of um, more time, actually. If there's PvP and stuff involved, does that make sense? Oh, more time, Shadows of the Damned, that one. Yeah, that's what it kind of feels yeah. like. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, it's not my type of game, but it could be. And it'll be interesting to see how that, how that plays out. However, uh, March 26th, okay? The game that we have spoken about before, the game that I think is possibly the game of the month, 
We'll find out. It Takes Two, coming out on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series XS, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. So this is a uh, two-player game where you play with someone else. Uh, you kind of go through some cool, like, puzzles. Joe loves puzzles. Um, but you're playing co-op. Uh, maybe a actual good puzzle co-op game. We'll find out. But it seems to be like kind of boss fights and, and other things like that. It looks it looks interesting. Um, it does look like a lot of fun uh, to play with someone. Um, obviously split screen. But I reckon there must be online as well. Uh, surely to play with someone. Otherwise um, that's not going to be too helpful. Oh no there is. Because if you remember we looked at this game. And if you own it, you can invite someone else who doesn't own it to play it with you, which yep. I think is very cool. That's a really nice uh, uh, kind of part of the, the marketing for the game. So, as I said, that comes out on uh, March 26th. Um, so it'd be, it'd be good to see how well that does. But I think in an age where uh, playing games with people, um, especially while still in lockdown, is a, is a good thing. I think hopefully this game does sell very well and it looks like it has a lot of different elements to it to try and make it as fun and interesting as possible finally on the list um not a new game we've been through all the new games now uh we've got <laughs> monster hunter rise which is coming on nintendo switch on march 26th as well um and so that's a re-release of uh monster i think i think it's actually a new one though I think. Well, Monster it's, Hunter it's, Rise. I thought. Um, I Monster Hunter Rise is like a weird Japan. It's like the J more Japanese influence on. Uh, but I it's like. Because the only Monster Hunter one I played is the one that came on console, and that was the least JRPG of of the bunch, wasn't it? Oh, Monster Hunter World. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, so this is coming on on Switch now this month, but it's coming in early 2022 on Steam. So. I thought it was like kind of a built off the the previous one, but apparently yeah. not. So it is a new one. So actually, we have <laughs> we've got all new games so far. That's oh good. Oh my god! Actually, new games to talk about. So uh, yeah, I mean, I've never played Monster Hunter. Uh, Tristan, you, you have, haven't you? Yeah, I really liked um, the PSP versions back in the day. Uh, I also played the crap out of Monster Hunter World. And then I'm umming and eyeing about this. I uh, need to see how it plays itself because I really struggle with some of the camera controls in it because it's just not as good as it should be. But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how it works. see the pre-order bonuses? You can get a dog. Yeah, I know. I, I saw the dog because you normally get a little palico cat that just meows at you. And to be fair, the, the chef is pretty good in Monster Hunter World as well. So it may be one on my list, actually, depending on how it plays. <laughs> Exciting stuff. Well, that ends it for... Uh... This week's upcoming games. Obviously, all the games we've mentioned are the ones that released the week of the podcast. So some of those games may have already been released. Some of them to be released uh, either, I guess, tomorrow after the podcast comes out or on the Friday of the week it comes out. So I think from everyone here at the podcast, um, we say thank you. And thank you very much for joining and listening in. And remember to stay digital and keep dungeoning. And we'll see you in the next episode next week. Goodbye from me. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye.